All right, hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. Hey everybody, good morning and welcome to Second City Church Online. My name is Cole. Hopefully we've met before, but if not, I'm looking forward to it. I'm associate pastor here along with lead pastor Rollin Fisher. And I'm excited you've chosen to join us today at Second City Church Online whenever you're watching this, but hopefully live during our 10 a.m. and also our 6 p.m. Sunday services because today live is July 4th, 2021. Freedom Day, Independence Day for the United States of America. And after a year where we have felt restricted, freedom is nice. It feels better than ever before. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know what true freedom feels like. And so I'm so excited you've been able to join that with me. And if not, we're gonna talk about today, what that feels like. And so uh, today we're gonna be doing uh, part two of the Thrive message that Pastor Rollins started last week where we're talking about how to thrive in God. Um, so this week we're gonna be continuing on through Genesis and we're gonna be digging down into the next step of Abraham's life with his son Isaac and what happened when he was just two to four years old. Uh, but before we even do that, guys, I wanna to talk to you about uh, true freedom real quick from 1 Peter 2, 15 through 17. It says, for those who want to have true freedom, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free. God wants you to be free, my friends. So let it be clear in your head and in your heart that God's will is that you do good with your freedom. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Freedom is not meant to be used so that we can do whatever we want to do. Why? Number one, because it doesn't honor God and it's not what it's made for. But number two, you won't thrive. You won't prosper when you're using your freedom to do evil, even though it's allowable. It's not going to help you and it's not going to bring honor to God. So what he says is not using his cover, cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. And so today, as we talk about Abraham, the father of faith, he was a true servant of God, which made him a true friend of God, which put him in the position for God to pour out not only saving faith, but also to thrive here and now. And it became a blessing to all the nations and generations after him. And so he says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And again, that's 1 Peter 2, 15 through 17. So because it's Independence Day, just wanted to throw that in there so you can go meditate on that and let God begin to renew your mind and may God renew all of our minds as the people of God. And so guys, um, we're gonna be talking about true freedom today as we go into Thrive. Um, and to set us up for that, we're gonna read Galatians 5, one through three. And this is where the Apostle Paul says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. He does want you to be free, and that's why he came. He says, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. And we're following that up with a quote from uh, Bluegrass Singer. Yes, you guys know I'm from North Carolina. You hear my accent now, but I'm living in Chicago now, and I'm so happy to be there. But my grandpa grew up in the mountains of North Carolina, 
bluegrass fan, and so uh, since he passed recently, I've been listening to some bluegrass, and so Alison Krauss from one of her songs says in this quote, you won't get more than you're living for. So if you're living just for freedom, that's it, but not for God's pleasure. You may get freedom, but the consequences are not going to be what you're looking for. It will actually lead to death and destruction rather than the life which your heart and our souls are crying out for, crying out for God himself as the deer pants for the water. And so that's why we're talking about this today. The devil wants to confuse us. He wants us to think that freedom is the ultimate goal, but freedom is not the ultimate goal. Christ set us free for freedom's sake so that we could love God so that we could accomplish his purposes here on the earth and that heaven may come among us, but then that heaven may come fully. And so guys, I'm excited uh, to, to go into that. So if you're looking for the focus point like Pastor Rylan usually does, here is the focus point. God wants you free so that you can thrive. Okay, say it again. God wants you free so that you can thrive. And so on the Thrive series, the ultimate thing we want you to focus on for all four parts, I believe it's going to be, is receiving, becoming, and doing. Receiving, becoming, and doing. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Cole? What God wants you to receive is he wants you to receive Christ and to continually abide in him and walk in him. That's going to help you thrive so that we can become all that God has planned for us to become. That's the becoming. And then the doing, so that we can do all that God has planned for us to do. Receive Christ, become like him, and then do his works here on the earth. Receive, become, do. So go ahead and write that down. Now, guys, we're going to dig into Galatians, excuse me, Galatians. Genesis, the other G in the Old Testament, the very first book. Genesis uh, chapter 21, verses 8 through 21. And before we uh, even dig into the scriptures, a couple of things I want you to know. Because the context matters when we're reading the Bible. We don't want to just cherry pick a couple of scriptures and think we have a full view or correct view of God. But even though scripture on its own may be true, God is big. He gave us the whole Bible. He wants us to know him fully, so we don't want to settle for just one little snippet when God has made so much available to us. And so we're going to look at the context of what's happening in Genesis 21. So as we were talking about um, uh, previously with Pastor Rollin and Abraham um, and then uh, how Ishmael, the child of promise, came into being, even before that, going back in history, because what happens in the past does affect us today. And that's why Christ came to set us free, so that we wouldn't be slaves to the evil that was done in the past, and that we would be free now and in the future uh, from those things. So we want to remember what has happened. So uh, Hagar, who was the Egyptian servant of Abraham and Sarah, she um, uh, was given by Sarah to Abraham because Sarah was just so tired, so despondent of not being able to have children. And so she's like, I'm going to take this into my own hands. I'm not going to persevere in faith. I'm going to, I'm going to do this my way. And so what we call that uh, in Christianity is living according to the flesh. Even though God's given us a promise, right? We choose to do things in our own timing, in our own way, instead of God's perfect timing that will bring about the most good. So she, she abused Hagar by giving her to Abraham as a wife, the scripture says, so that he could sleep with her, so that they could have a son. 
right? And so Sarah thought this would fulfill her. But the truth is, whenever we do things out of God's timing and not in his way, it does not fulfill us. It leaves us worse off than we were before. It leaves us in depression and sad because the enemy has tricked us, right? Our flesh has tricked us. And now we're going to reap from the flesh what we have sown to the flesh rather than sowing by faith into the promise that God had given us, which for Sarah and Abraham was that God would give them a son, but she was tired, right? We don't make good decisions when we're tired. And that's why God wants to refresh us today, okay? So anyway, so Hagar, um, she began to, uh, when she got pregnant, she began to uh, then abuse Sarah, right? Began to despise her, 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 uh, her boss, her master, since she was an Egyptian slave to her. And so Sarah began to abuse her and she ran away. So when she was in the desert, God met with her, right? Whenever we're in the desert, God's will is to meet with you. He doesn't want to leave you there. He doesn't want you to be thirsty and lost without him. He wants to come to where you are. So while Hagar was out there, while she was afraid, not knowing what her future looked like with the future of this child that she now has, getting ready to be a single mom in a time where it was much worse than it is today, though it's very hard today. Um, and so God met with her and he said, I am the God well, she said to him, you are the God who sees me when he began to tell her the promises that he had for her, how he was going to bless her, even in her victimization, even when she had done wrong as well in response to a wrong, that he was going to bless her and he was going to do it by making the son Ishmael that she was about to have into a great nation because he was Abraham's offspring. He's the God of compassion, right? He wants to take even our mistakes and he wants to what was meant for evil by the enemy who fans the flame of our flesh and he wants to use it for good. And so he does that. He says, but in order for this to come about, you got to get out of the desert. You got to go back to the place to which I've called you, right? Even though there was conflict, you got to go back and submit to Sarah and listen to her moving forward. And so she submits to Sarah because she was submitted to God. Okay? Sometimes we do things not because we're necessarily honoring the person, right? Uh, or even when things aren't reconciled as they should be, we do things because God has given us a promise and we love him. He says, I need you and want you, and I even command you because he's God to do this. So Hagar got her heart right in God's presence, right? So then we can learn from there, people will God come together as the church, let's worship him and went back, okay? Now, picking up the story, this is gonna be uh, 14 to 16 years later, what we're reading here, okay? Um, so this is 14 to 16 years later, um, and uh, yeah, so it's something we need to know about definition context. Isaac, if you didn't know, the promised son, means he laughs because <laughs> Sarah was mocking at God's promise that she, being in her old age, could have a child. So really she was mocking God's power, right? And so she said, everybody that sees me is going to laugh. And you know, what may have been mocking actually ended up getting used by God and transformed as the promise came about into true laughter of joy rather than mockery. And that's what redemption does. When we have God's redemptive work through Christ that takes our past and makes what was hard, what was painful, and turns it into something beautiful and new through repentance and faith in him, then we're able to laugh. We're able to have the true joy that we were meant to have that's not mixed in with this, this mockery uh, that the devil wants us, wants us to have. And so his name means he laughs. 
And this is important because we look at the situation concerning Isaac's birth and God's promise to bless the world through him, and it can seem a little absurd even to us. So even Isaac's name tests our hearts when we know about the promise that God would bring the Savior of the world through his birth. Now, number two, what does it mean to be weaned? You know, I'm a new dad. Now I know what it means to be weaned, but I remember reading this and I didn't quite understand. So Isaac was getting weaned at this time. He was coming off of the breast milk of his mother and was stepping into a new phase of life of sustainability where he could eat regular food, right? And that's important today as a milestone, but back then it was a time for celebration because um, <laughs> infant mortality rates were much higher than they are today. And not only was it a time of celebration because, oh, he made it this far, praise God. But remember, this is the son of promise, right? Abraham and Sarah had all of their eggs as far as having a child together, right? In this one basket, they were promised one child. They didn't have any other uh, containers for their hope in terms of uh, childbearing and uh, having a family other than Isaac. So this was a great time of celebration. And that's why, because Jesus is the Savior of the world, the one and only Son of God, we should celebrate when we're making progress in Him and when others are making progress in Him. It is a time for celebration, and that's part of the joy of the Christian life, is that we don't have to look at our past anymore. We look to the future. We look toward the kingdom of God when, uh, when all things are going to be made right. But then we celebrate the breakthroughs of the kingdom that happened here and now. So church, God wants us to celebrate and be joyful in Jesus. Okay, number three. Uh, number three, Ishmael. Now, Ishmael was the son of Hagar, the Egyptian slave. Um, and Abraham is the biological father of that son. So what we need to know about Ishmael's name, right? We know that Ishmael was a child according to the flesh, right? Not according to the promise that was given to Abraham and Sarah, but in their weakness, he became um, a part of the, a part of the plan, we can say. So Ishmael's name means God listens, or God hears, or God obeys. Okay. So even our, quote, mistakes, even the circumstances which we find ourselves in, in that are the consequences of our sins, God wants to take those things. He wants to say, hey, I hear and I haven't abandoned you. What could have been bad? What could have caused further harm? I'm actually going to used to bring about ultimate good, okay? Now, we gotta remember too, at this point, he was 14 to 16 years old, all right? Because baby Isaac was about two to four years old. Now, Hagar, we already talked about her. She was Egyptian slave of Sarah, who upon duress from Sarah, bore Ishmael to Abraham. Hagar dishonored Sarah. Sarah abused Hagar in return, so Hagar ran away. God told Hagar to return and submit to her, and she did, but here's where we're at. Here's where we're at. We're getting ready to read about generational curses or even just generational behaviors that are not pleasing to God that we pass on to one another. Because we're going to see her teenager now mocking and duplicating the same sin that was in her life previously. Okay, So it's good to remember what we do matters not only now, but for our children and for those who are watching and listening for the next generation. And it will have consequences, but we serve a big God who can deal with those consequences and that can redeem us. He redeems things. Uh, Mount Sinai is something I'm going to read about too. Now Mount Sinai, this is the location in the desert where the Israelites were coming out of 400 plus years of slavery to the Egyptians, coming through the desert into the promised land. And God said, I'm going to make you guys into a nation and you're going to be a sign and a wonder to the rest of the earth for my glory. And this is how you must live. And he gave them the law. 
right? But they began to pursue the law through the flesh rather than by faith according to the promise of what he was going to do. And they became prideful and sinful and then ended up getting kicked out of the land. And now God is bringing about the true promise in Christ. So Mount Sinai is a huge place in the history of Israel. And for us to learn from and look back about what God is going to do and how we become when we're living according to the flesh or simply according to the law when we pursue it by the flesh instead of the power of the Spirit. Okay, guys, so much here. All right, you ready for the word now? Okay, here we go. Genesis chapter 21, verses 8 through 21. Here we go. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, remember that's Ishmael, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing or mocking, depending on how you read it. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son, talking about Ishmael. But God said to Abraham, Okay, God wanted Abraham's mind to be renewed. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy, meaning Ishmael, and because of your slave woman, meaning Hagar. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells to you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Okay, guys, that's really important right there. Okay, Sarah was the one mocking originally that God would actually give her a son in her old age, right? And Abraham was having to lead the charge in his family by faith in God's promise. But now we see here where Abraham has forgotten the promise and God is using his wife, Sarah, who was once the mocker, now prodding Abraham on to faith, right? Trust in the promise of what God's going to do. Protect the promise of what God's going to do. Do not be displeased with this, okay? But God is merciful, right? God, because of who he is, he can just tell us what to do, and that's enough. But he loves you. He loves Abraham. He loves Sarah. He loves Agar. He loves Ishmael. He loves us. So he comes down and he explains things to us when it's needed, okay? So what we see here is, um, let's see. Do, he says, be not be displeased. Do not be displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He reminded him of the promise. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also because he is your offspring. God is telling Abraham, hey, I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to take care of what uh, was done through the flesh. And you're going to see my ultimate good. And I want to be crystal clear about what that ultimate good is. Okay? The new life in Christ is humanity's ultimate good, right? So what we're going to see here is that Ishmael, um, he ended up being the father of a whole nother, right, 12 tribes and a people group that would have the opportunity, like all of us, even Abraham's children, uh, Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel and all of their descendants and all of the Gentiles, have the opportunity for eternal life in Christ Jesus. So God is saying, don't worry about him. I'm going to take care of him. You're going to see amazing goodness. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. Okay, so we're going to stop right here for just a second. Abraham amazes me because of his speed in which he obeys God when he speaks. Do you think this was an easy decision? 
This was not an easy decision. The reason Abraham was able to do it so fast was for a couple of reasons. Number one, God had proven himself faithful in the past when Abraham had done things that he may not have fully understood, but he knew God's voice. He knew his shepherd's voice, and he trusted him. So the very next morning, he was able to send them away. Okay? That was a hard decision. Number two, Abraham knew God's compassion, his mercy. So Abraham, as a man of faith in the one true God that would bring the Savior into the world, he not only sent them away, but he gave them bread and water. This can symbolize the bread of life in Christ Jesus that God gives us for new life to sustain us here and now until that day when he returns and the kingdom is set in in its entirety. And then the water being the Holy Spirit as a down payment to the well of life by the Spirit coming to live in us as children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, which is the promise that he would give us the Spirit as a well in us. And so Abraham knew his compassion. Sarah knew his, knew his, knew his plan and reminded Abraham of it and knew his will. But Abraham knew his heart and his compassion, same way he interceded for Lot. So church of God, church of Jesus Christ, let us not only be people of truth, but let us be people of mercy and compassion as well, seeing God's purposes come to fulfillment. Let's not forget that it is God's kindness that draws us to repentance. Okay, um, let's see. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him, a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. Isn't that interesting, parents? There are some parents out here that are watching this right now. And you have teenagers. Ishmael is a teenager, 14 to 16 years old. He doesn't know who his daddy is here. He doesn't know what has just happened. Abraham is now out of his life. He's trying to find his identity. His mom's heart is broken. All her resources are gone, the bread, the water. And she doesn't know what to do. And she's crying out to God. But parent, what she, I'm talking to you for a minute, parent. You need to know that God hears the voice of the boy. God hears the voice of the child when they cry out as well. God is the perfect heavenly father who takes care of us, right? And so God heard the voice of the boy. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. And so, parent, be encouraged today that God hears your children. God sees your children. You keep interceding like you're supposed to, and God's going to take care of them, okay? Okay, now you be encouraged now, and you do what Hagar did here. So God says, Up! <laughs> Lift up the boy, hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. So parent, be encouraged today and go get your child. Go help them. Lead them in the ways of God. Teach them the ways of God. Grab their hand. Be in their life. Be present. Be the hands and feet of Jesus, our compassionate Lord and Savior, and help your child today. God will help you. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Okay, now I'm talking to you, parent, too. You're saying, Pastor Cole, I don't have the resources to do this. I am completely, I want to do this. I want to get up, but how am I going to help? Okay, 
what we have to recognize is that when we're living by faith, our eyes will be open when we know God's plan and we'll be able to thrive. Our eyes will be open to the provision of God all around us. It does not say that God created a well. No, it says God opened her eyes to a well. So she was within eyesight of a well this whole time when she was bawling and her son was bawling. They're about to die in the desert. And then God just says, look, didn't you see this over here? God has resources ready for you. And I'm telling you, if you're a part of the body of Christ, yeah, God can provide for you anyway. But the main way he's going to provide for you in terms of resources is through the family of God. He's going to take care of you and we're going to take care of each other, right? Because we believe that God will take care of us as we do. We always have more than enough to help. And so it says after that, um, and God was with the boy. So parents, we have to set our children on the right path, right? And God will be with them and he will help them. And he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Okay, friends, God renews our mind by his word and every subtlety matters so we can hang on his every word so you're thinking pastor cole how do you pick up on all of this it's because everything in the old testament was written to be interpreted through the lens of christ and what he's done for us and the promises that he's made to return and the gift of the spirit how he's going to help us in the meantime until he comes back to see his kingdom come on the earth that's why every word matters and we love the old testament so i encourage you to dig in there now you can intercede for others showing God's compassion and always be correct, right? You're like, well, they're, they're not doing the, the right thing. That's okay. If you know what the right thing is to do, you can intercede for them, pray for them to do the right thing. But then when it comes time to show compassion, you don't have to worry about your compassion um, enabling them, right? So Abraham could have said, just get out of here. He didn't. He gave them bread and water and said, I know God has a plan for you. He's revealed it to me, and I want to be a part of it, and I want to invest in that by giving you this and, and sending you out. Now, here's a hard truth we learned from this as we're beginning to, to slow down here. Jesus as the mocker was, excuse me, just as the mocker was dismissed from the family of promise, Ishmael had to go, right? Ishmael had to go. So today, those who mock Isaac, who was the child of promise, those who might have descended Jesus Christ will be cast out of God's eternal family as well. But here's the good news. Do you have breath in your lungs? Is your heart beating? Then God's not done with you yet. He's inviting you to come be a part of the family. Now, he's inviting you to celebrate with the weaning of Isaac, right? Celebrate with the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, so come on in. Today's your day. Now, compassion is always a part of God's plan. And this is why, like Sarah, we speak the truth. And like Abraham, we do so in compassionate love. Okay, and here's something you need to know as well. Do not be deceived. Do not be confused. That some, even though sometimes God will prosper your mistake, right, out of his compassion, right? He'll prosper it. If you decide to take a job somewhere instead and being led by money, just because you're his altar, you're his creation, he may prosper it, right? But that doesn't mean that he's bringing about his promise of his eternal kingdom through that prosperity. 
Don't be deceived. We always have to make our decisions by saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is heaven. And then how can I be a part of seeing your kingdom come? How can I be a part of your disciple-making process to bring others to Jesus Christ that they may receive salvation, forgiveness, healing, and then be set on a track instead of just saying, oh, I got a job promotion. Let me run over there, right? We need to slow down sometimes and talk to God because prosperity, thriving in its true form for all of eternity may look different than its temporary counterpart part, even though God is compassionate to us and takes care of us, okay? Now, da -da -da -da. here's a question. What hard choices are you in the middle of making right now? Are they a path to prosperity, but not the path of God's promise to eternal life? Are they true prosperity? Are they true thriving, or is it temporary? And you need to sit down before God and ask him these things. And what I, I'm encouraged by Abraham, the man of faith, once again, because this isn't the first time that he has quick obedience, and the very next morning he does something, right? Next week, we're going to see how he has an even harder decision to make, which without the eyes of faith does not make sense, and how he was quick to obey. He's quick to obey this time. He was quick to obey when God said, leave your family and go to a land I'm going to show you. Didn't even tell him where he was going to go. He said, well, that I'm going to show you. And he obeyed quickly. So take this home. Delayed obedience is disobedience. We need to obey quickly in order to thrive fully with what God wants to do. Okay. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. And this is the New Testament's interpretation of what we just read. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and, and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry about you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than of the one who has a husband. So what he's saying here is that it's more important that you have a promise and you hold on to the promise of God than to doing something through the flesh to bring about the promise. And you'll have more children and be more fruitful. You'll thrive more by holding on to the promise and his timing. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise, right? If you're in Christ, you are a child of promise. But just at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Friends, to be free is to thrive. To be free from sin and made alive in Jesus Christ, who is Isaac's descendant according to the flesh and God's son according to the promise. Like Abraham, we must put all of our eggs in one basket, and that is Jesus Christ. And so today, Romans uh, 6 through 9 uh, is an invitation to us to put all of our eggs in that one basket. 
if you want to truly thrive for all of eternity, if you want to be a person of faith and live according to the promise, knowing that God is faithful, you're going to have an opportunity. Romans 6, 9, 6 through 9, But it is not as though the word of God had failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Now today, by faith, you can become a child of God through God's promise to break the power of sin in your life, forgive you of sin now and when needed in the future, and give you eternal life through repentance and faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, and receive the Holy Spirit to lead you all the way home when Jesus comes back. So friends, will you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the gift of your word. Lord, we thank you for those that have gone before us that have pressed through. Yes, they have failed. Yes, they're not perfect, but they've pressed through so that we could have an example of what it means to love you, God, to trust you when you give a promise. And now we want to trust the promise of Christ. So, Father God, I pray for all those right now uh, who are raising their hand, Lord, their hearts are open, who say, okay, I've had some prosperity, I've had some success, but I'm not God's child, I'm just his offspring. I want to be your child. I want to be found in Christ, the child of promise now. And so, Lord, I pray that as they repent of living for themselves by the flesh, and now they begin to live for you by faith in Jesus, that you would wash away their sin, Lord, that the precious blood of Christ on their behalf on the cross would wash away their sins, and that you would fill them with your spirit now, Lord, now, and really let them experience the new life, the eternal life of Christ here and now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, friends, if you want somebody to pray with you, any of these things that this message brought up, we want to pray with you, so click on the prayer button. And if you want some more information about how to get started on this new walk with Jesus, please uh, go to our website, find the New Life tab. It may be showing up on the video now. And let us get in touch with you and help you get started on this walk. All right, friends, now let's go back into a time of worship, praising. All right, what a wonderful word that we were able to receive today. And as we continue in our moment of worship, what we're going to do now is celebrate the sacrament of communion. And in Matthew chapter 26, we see Jesus with his disciples at the Passover, the Jewish Passover that was to be ultimately fulfilled by the life and the sacrifice of Jesus himself at the cross, giving himself for the sins of the world. And he instituted this sacrament of communion in this way. In verse 26, he said, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you that I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. 
And so when we come to communion moments, it's a believer sacrament where anyone who has given their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ can really receive once again the beauty and the strength and also the fellowship of God as they acknowledge his broken body for their sins and his spilled blood to draw us near to God in reconciliation. And so if you've not yet made your peace with God, this is a moment of repentance and prayer for both believers and for those who are now becoming believers in Christ Jesus. And so before we take the elements, let's have a moment of repentance where we really allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and say, God, is there any offensive way in me? Is there anything of which I need to repent so that I might come back into right relationship with you as I acknowledge the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm going to have a moment of silence where you can search your heart, allow God to search your heart by the Holy Spirit, and then we'll have a moment of prayer together. Father, we thank you so much for your good, good word to us today, and not only your word, but also what Jesus, your son, accomplished for us. And today we, in humility, just acknowledge the broken body of the Lord. And God, we ask you to forgive us for any offensive way in us. Father, where we've uh, been in rebellion to you, where we've had sins of not only commission, but sins of omission, not obeying the commands of God. And God, we acknowledge that fact that Jesus Christ went to that cross after living a sinless life to pay the price that each of us should pay before you. He took the punishment that we deserve on the cross through his broken body. And God, we are asking that you would forgive us our sins today as we once again proclaim you as Lord. And so as you remember the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ, broken on the cross for you in payment for our sins, you can take of the bread. But Jesus on that same night also said, drink of it, meaning of the cup, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, meaning an agreement between yourself and God that not only did Jesus live the perfect life for you, but now he calls you into his lordship. And as he calls us into his lordship and faith in him, he leads us into not only his kingdom purposes, but a life of freedom, hope, and all the fruit of the Holy Spirit as we are cleansed by this blood that draws us near. And so as you remember the spilled blood of Jesus on the cross for you, you can take uh, the communion element. You know, the good news is, is that Jesus said, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And as we go back into worship today, let's celebrate the Lord because not only has he died for us, but he's been raised again, raising us into the hope of new life in him and that he's ultimately coming for each and every one of us to bring us into his eternal kingdom where his rulership brings an end to all sin, all death, all that would afflict us and bring us into the life eternal that he purchased for us at the cross. 
We're going to continue to talk about these things in our community groups this week. So if you've not yet been able to find one, please do visit our website where you can find both in-person and virtual options. We'll be praying for you this week, so please do let us know how we can be standing with you. And also think about how you can share this link with family, friends, co-workers, and neighbors who also need to be strengthened by the grace of God. Please do invite them, these same people, to our service next week so that they might meet the living God in His Son, Jesus Christ. And until then, have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless you, and we love you. See you soon.